it seems like we've got a lot more to say than I think we thought we would. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed, it's your turn to answer this question. Characters right. that stand out in otherwise bad stories. Right. Um, first of all, to go back to the point on the um, Tomb Raider oh. and Uncharted. Tomb Raider's always felt like a bit of a isolated experience. Yeah. And then that, that was mainly um, Lara against the world. Yeah. With um, someone on the microphone just to make it feel like she's not by herself. But then with Uncharted, you've got like the whole, again, you're going for the ensemble group cast with um, Sully being the mentor mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it's, um, even though they're both um, treasure explorers, they're very, very different games and yeah, very different experiences. Experiences, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like Uncharted as well was written as like a Hollywood film. It's got the cocky, proper lad at the forefront. You know, he's getting it, he's got a tank chasing him, and he's like, Oh, <laughs> this is a bit ridiculous now, isn't it? And it, it's really <laughs> like he doesn't top, actually it? care, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a tank chasing him down the streets of the park, yeah. and the well, way he's going, on. like, Tank, yeah. where'd you get a tank from? And it's just he's so <laughs> Hollywood. But another thing with Uncharted, it kind of debuted that scripted peril in exploring games yeah. where you, you're walking across the bridge and all of a sudden the bridge starts crumbling and you think oh no i've got to hurry up with this but really it, it's scripted into the narrative that mm-hmm. the wall's going to give way as you're climbing it and the bridge is going to collapse two-thirds away across and you have to leap and jump for it and it's that perceived narrative that in the um, first game it was a shocker yeah. but by the time you get to the third game you're like oh no the ropes this rope bridge is going to give out i know it is so as i'm walking across it and you're accustomed to the um storytelling in yeah. that scene yeah. and it doesn't carry the same impact well, what i loved about uncharted 4 or one of the things that i loved about uncharted 4 because that game is incredible is just the fact that they take all of the things that you got used to in the first trilogy and used it as story substance and it was brilliant it was like i've really got i've really got to learn to stop breaking bridges and if i climb up here and and um this zombie comes alive i'm gonna lose my shit or something you know obviously i'm paraphrasing but it was using all of those previous experiences that they used to help the narrative along in the first trilogy that they then added into the fourth game. And it was one of those things that if you didn't really play the original trilogy, I think you would miss. But it, it's one of the things that made Uncharted 4 such a complete experience was that they used these narrative techniques and did them so that they they actually served the purpose of the story and weren't just there for the sake of um, game mechanics. And I think that was really clever. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. it's also them taking a look at themselves and realising by the third game they'd been following a script. So mm-hmm. to be subversive and whatnot, they flipped the script and kind of lampooned themselves. And it was um, clever. It was. It was yeah. really, really clever. I think the other side to it as well is, um, like you say, they're on to like, what, three, four games or whatever. By the third one, it's like, yeah, don't walk across that bridge because it's going to snap at like, you know, that step or anything. Mm-hmm. People kind of know that they're getting in for that though by like second or third one. I think that's part of the experience. Oh man, it's like, I can't wait to get home. And then it's going to be some cheesy one-liners from Sully and it's going to be this and that. And it's part of its <laughs> jam. Like, yeah, so I absolutely. absolutely agree. You know, yeah. like, you know, by two or three, it's like, oh, I know it's going next, but then you kind of like, cool, Let, let's do it. It's the relatability aspect. So mm. when you come to a bridge and you go, this bridge is going to break, and then Nathan Drake says the same thing, it's like, okay, it's funny. It's funny because the characters are self-aware of what's going yeah. on. And as a, play- as a player, we can relate to the character more because it's like they're us. It's being able to tie those two experiences together in a way that just negates the fact that you know what's coming. 
so it's predictable. Well, There's nothing I... wrong with predictability. It's when you know something's coming and the characters don't respond in the same way you do, that feels normal. But when they do respond in the same way you do, it's like, oh, they get it too. And it just, it brings that together. And it's just such a cool thing that they did. It's, yeah. it's turning the meta to their advantage. And yeah. I think that's really cool. Well, this is something else I was going to touch on is the whole the short version uh, does the story affect which characters you like and dislike. Uh, two points being that seeing a character's written reaction mm-hmm. to the situations they are put in is what defines a character. Yeah. Like, you know, whether they're comic relief, whether they're, you know, the dashing hero, whether they're going to do something crazy. That's what, to me, makes the character likable or not. Because even if it is a bad guy, make him a really badass bad guy. Make him a Sephiroth bad guy. Make him like someone like really badass or something. Or, like, if you're going to do something daft or anything, even if you know it's going to be that cheesy, you still enjoy the cheap laugh. Yeah. So there's that side of it as well. So Because every character serves a purpose and every character pretty much has an archetype, whether that archetype has been adapted over time or whatever, it's always going to be there. So a good example of this would be there's usually always a comic relief character, like you said, but he either works or he doesn't. Because you can have a comic relief character, but it doesn't mean that you know how to write comedy. So it's like you can enjoy a comic relief character because he's genuinely funny and they wrote that comic relief archetype really well. Or he's a comic relief character, but he just completely falls on his head because you didn't write the comedy as effective as it could have been. Yeah, well, it depends if the comedy is subjective to the player and or character and situation, isn't it? So, but it can also be badly written. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I get it. So there's different yeah. sides of it. The other thing as well is both Lara Croft and Nathan Drake in particular are very different characters. Though yeah, they are in treasure situations and all the rest of it, and the games can be similar. You've got somebody who, cocky Hollywood bottle cigar guy sort of thing, one-liners, best mate that's got, you know, silver side burns in the cigarette, uh, cigar, mm-hmm. brilliant. And then you've got, I'm not going to say I know much about Lara Croft because I did not play the original Tomb Raiders, I'll put it out there. So mm-hmm. from the reboot ones, uh, which is what I've played, bear yeah. in mind I completed the first two reboots, but I didn't bother with the third one. In the first one, you see her character grow where she was very sort of, I wouldn't say princessy or weak or anything, but she got hard into the situation over the course of the first game. Yeah. Uh, like, when she first killed somebody, she was like, like, holy shit, I've done it. As opposed yeah. to, like, oh, cool, like, blah, 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 let's just, you know, cap everyone. So I think, yeah. like, some characters have, like, no remorse, and then suddenly yeah. you have, but like, she actually it. had a reaction. She yeah. had a very visceral reaction to the fact that she just murdered somebody. And oh, I, that was... Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the first things that stood out to me in that reboot. It was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But what I don't get from that point is then ten hours later in the in the story, she's charging at enemies with an AK, screaming, "I'm gonna kill you all." <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a very short time to go from, "Oh my god, I've killed somebody" to sociopath. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's and what ruined is, it for me. I really enjoyed the reboot trilogy, but but the. They didn't take any of the time that Naughty Dog took with Uncharted to develop the things that happened later on yeah. in those games. I agree, it wasn't a slow burner. I agree yeah. with Ed's point, especially where it's like, oh man, I totally killed someone, what's going to happen? Oh cool, let's just murder everybody. <laughs> I got the first one out of the way, let's just go for it while I'm here. Pop a death chair yeah. now, so let's yeah. go. It's like, <laughs> it could have been like more evenly paced, like you say, it could have been slower paced, where like, you know, She's going to struggle when she kills somebody. But mm-hmm. the other side is you can't have her be too much of a wet sock by it because every time she kills someone, oh my God, I've killed someone again. Why is it 
Bro, that's not an exciting game. I'd rather use plot ignorance in the way that they have, because that's normal in video games now, really, isn't it? So instead yeah, of being yeah. a crying mess and everything, every time she, you know, domes somebody, she's like, you know, let's go. Let's have it. It's happened now. Blood on her cheeks and runs off into the distance. <laughs> Looks like Juna Lumu with, like, proper <laughs> tribal blood in the eyes and everything. Uh, I <laughs> didn't like Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've tried. I tried twice. I tried it on PlayStation 3. I tried it on PS4. Yeah. I just didn't, I don't know, Some I've really tried t- properly. I must, I must put about five or six hours into it on the PlayStation, but I just, yeah. I, I felt for me like it was trying to be Uncharted, which it probably isn't in the slightest, but I think I'm just blessed by Uncharted. And it, it was just, I felt Uncharted's story was really good, the way that you start on the boat and then pirates come and then he's like, one, oh, one big last hole, Sully, come on, let's go in the fucking jungle. Yeah. And then all the shit kicks off, and then it's really good, and then it ends on zombies, obviously. Um, (laughs) Because, of course. (laughs) And the story pacing was really good, and the action scenes were really good. And I just felt, for me, when Tomb Raider started, it's like, I don't know, you're in a boat, and then you're not in a boat, and then I'm getting crushed by a rock, and then I'm on my own, and I'm after a radio, and then I find a guy, and he's been stabbed, and some someone tries to grab me under that rock, and a rock crushes them, and I'm like, it just, it started as if it went from here to just fucking mental, and I think, I, it yeah. didn't grip me well enough. It just, I felt like it tried to run before it could walk. I, I didn't, I wanted something before. I mean, I know because they've got Lara Croft, everyone knew who Lara Croft was, or majority yeah. of people know who they are. So I think they tried to play on that. We, yeah. You already know who this bitch is, let's go fucking wild. Whereas Uncharted needed to create the character. So I think it was that, a brand me, new was, experience. It was a new yeah. story. It was new characters. They'd never been in the world before. Yeah. Tomb Raider for me is a very nostalgic experience. And yeah. and it was one of, you know, Tomb Raider was one of the very first games I ever played when I was a kid. So I followed it throughout the years that it's continued. Mm-hmm. It's a it's very different for me compared to a lot of other people. I know a lot of people personally who don't like Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. They they may have enjoyed the original first two games, but then afterwards they were like, it was the same thing, it got boring, I don't care anymore. There's a lot of Uncharted versus Tomb Raider debates, which I don't want to get into um, because they are two completely different experiences, like yeah, we've already discussed. Absolutely. Yeah, they are. The, the thing with the 2013 reboot of Tomb Raider was that it looked incredibly promising. And from a story perspective, from a writer perspective, for me personally, I was really, really excited about Tomb Raider, Lara Croft, this character that I've known and loved since I was a kid, getting a fully fledged, yeah. awesome, kick-ass story. And she almost got it. Almost. Yeah. It was so disappointing. I think but it would have benefited from, from that build-up you know, going on some maybe some hunts as Lara Croft and having some sort of energy and some character development building up to becoming t- the Tomb Raider One, yeah. the new Tomb Raider 2013. That should have been maybe a few five hours, four hours in, and some mm. other stuff should have happened before, so I could grow to know who she was a bit better. But I think they yeah. tried to play on you all know Tomb Raider, you know, you all know Lara Croft is, so we're just going to throw her in the deep end. I think that was what. Yeah. But let it down for me, and then she when al- I jumped straight in, I, I didn't. I think yeah. it just didn't grip me. Had, I think one of the other things that didn't quite work for a lot of people as well was that she. It was supposed to be this is the story of how she becomes Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. However, she already knows everything she needs to know to survive. <laughs> she doesn't learn it along the way. <laughs> she just learns to utilize it along just the way. She already knows everything. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you're all right. 
a thing as well when you said you couldn't play other games because you played something that was like you thought was better. I've had this problem. It's like when you play a GTA clone after you play GTA. Mm. Like if you play a Mafia, if you play a Sleeping Dogs, they are really good games in their own right, but you've been spoiled by GTA. This is the reason I can't play Valhalla. I cannot play Valhalla. I got it. I actually got it for free digitally on my PS5 with a friend. Um, and I put about an hour into it, and I was like, I played Tomb Raider, I played Uncharted, I played Horizon, I played God of War. I don't want to play this game. And then when I've heard from some of my friends that have been really getting into Valhalla and stuff, man, I played it for 120 hours, and I just thought I can't even fathom the thought of that. But again, Assassin's Creed hasn't had its identity since like what after Black Flag. So yeah. It's, it's gone dead weird now. And as much as they are, you know, they look pretty and they probably are good games, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you get what I mean? It's like, you just yeah. can't. I can't get along with Assassin's Creed at all um, because it's like, okay, in every game, there's a different story now. Yeah. So ignore the ignore the, the original trilogy for a second. Every Assassin's Creed game, it has its own story, has its own narrative. It has its own hero that's that's got to overcome things to find out the truth about something or whatever. But it's always, always, always within the same confines of its gameplay style. And that's where it's like, okay, maybe it does have a good story, but I'm playing the same game. Mechanically, I am playing the same game over and over and over again. It's hard to separate the two when it's been going on for that long. This is where they've they've got a lot of heat lately, haven't they? The Assassin's yeah. Creed 4, 5, 3, what, I don't know, whichever I, I gave up on them a while ago. But the, the, the just, as you say, it's a story inside its own game now. It is just you start off as a person who either is an assassin or becomes an assassin or kills someone and happens to become an assassin, like in yeah. Black Flag, and you live within that universe. The original part was when you played as Desmond, and it was about the real world wanting to learn. Desmond was tied to one of the heritage, to Altair, and you wanted yeah. you were trying to learn the heritage of where the, uh, not the Illuminati, I can't remember the name for it now, it's been that long, but you were trying to find where the... It was. Yeah, it's the Applevedian, but yeah. what's the people called? Templars. Templars. They were trying to find out where the Templars were in modern day, weren't they? Then the, the Assassin's Creed 2, you still played as Desmond, and you you went backward and forward between modern and or modern day and the and his blood lineage. I think it wrapped it all up, didn't it? Because then yeah. at one point Desmond starts to learn how to be an assassin and he starts to like not get superpowers, but he starts to be able to like run up walls and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they finished that, I don't, think, I don't know if it's a trilogy or a saga, but when they finished that storyline, that was when they started them just releasing them as games and people are now saying, you're just releasing out now. We need mm-hmm. I, it, it had an actual story part to it. And I bought Black Flags, so it went on sale. Um, Charlotte got me odyssey for christmas so i bought origins because i read if you're going to play odyssey you're not going to enjoy origins so at least play origins first and then go to odyssey because it improves on everything but the the, the own games is which is fine yeah, which yeah. is fine they obviously make a lot yeah. of money but i, I prefer think, yeah. I, I try black flag i prefer the older ones i do prefer yeah. the story of the older ones which goes great with your question Gemma. and yes story does influence my purchase <laughs> hey, see, it's all coming full circle <laughs> I think the thing with Assassin's Creed, obviously, one of you know, it's it's basically the dev team going, "What if Assassin's Creed, but in this timeline?" and then doing it because yeah. they can and not because it matters. It, well, they don't have an actual story to tell. They just want to. They just want to design the same game in a different time period. That's all they want to do. They're doing it because the... they want to see it. 
is that just the Ubisoft shareholders coming out and saying, right, we want another game regardless? We yeah. just want that. We yeah. want that um, IP being utilised on a yearly basis. And I put five pound on. There'll be an Assassin's Creed set in China, and you'll be able to run through paper walls by <laughs> <laughs> holding the X button and I'm right trigger. Sold. But, but, <laughs> but that's what they do. Like with although Call of Duty comes out every year, it's released by two separate publishers. So there is yeah. actually two Call of Duty games. It's not just one. And and they actually have, when you buy them, so this year's Call of Duty has zombies and plays very differently to last year's Call of Duty, which has survival mode. And the gunplay in both of these games is very different. It sounds yeah. silly because it's the same title, but the gunplay, they both use the same engine, but they both create it their own way. And when you buy, so you've got Black Ops, well, the Black Ops series, and then you've got Modern Warfare, uh, World War Two infinite warfare that side of it their guns play one way and the other people's guns play the other but it allows them to release that game every year because in theory they get two years to develop it each don't they and that's what yeah. i don't know if assassin's creed exactly do the same where they have two i hope they don't i hope they've just got people working <laughs> fucking 60 hour weeks <laughs> to they crank must this do, game out. because they if they're designing and releasing one every single year obviously apart from was it 2018 they did 2018 or 19 they didn't release one yeah they took yeah, a break man. after i think it was what was it syndicate they took like a two-year break and then they came yeah. back with origins after yeah. Assassin's Creed, uh, 92 <laughs> i was waiting for the call of duties with sorry uh, with different yeah. um developers and stuff even though they both wearing the call of duty hats like you say they've got two years so they can cook for a little bit longer and if they play differently that's great but ubisoft don't unfortunately it is just uh, one team over and over and that sucks yeah, yeah. So oh, no, but, uh, like i have a Call of Duty fanboy, but I'm not saying they're great, you know, don't get me wrong. Oh, no, like, no, no, they, no. They, play, they play very similar every year. They, they do play, they run forward, shoot everything in the face, and pick up <laughs> loads of big guns. It, it, there's not groundbreaking technology in these the games. Is the Call of Duty, you do have interwoven storylines. Oh, yeah, that is good. Whereas, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, where, like, Assassin's Creed, it does, but it's very threadbare. It's very loose now. Where it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's all about Assassin's Creed. It's what happened then. It'll, it'll all come full circle. And I just haven't got around to coming full circle after 72 games. I mean, this this ties perfectly into, like, I just wanted to quickly mention uh, Destiny. I think Joe mentioned it earlier as well, briefly. D- Destiny has so many great storylines running through it, but they never mm. finish them. You never get to a point where you feel like that story was done. The new season of Destiny started yesterday. Uh, season 13 and it's a whole new story again it's a whole new subplot the story we got last season is not over but we're probably not going to see it for another two years it's kind of frustrating because the stories in destiny are so good and so well written Um, yeah but there's never any closure do you think they do that though because of their 10-year plan so in three years if you've stopped playing it you'll go because everyone can see my fingers and in three years you'll (laughs) stop playing it and then they'll go, I mean, I don't know any of their names, so I'm just going to say Beyond Light. But they'll go, well, Beyond Light Part 2, and you'll be like, oh, my God, I, I really love that. I'm going to go reinstall it now, even though I've stopped playing it, yeah. and you're going to go back to it. But that's possibly, do you think, why they do it? So that, it, again, in, yeah, in, a, I mean, in a sense of the Call of Duty thing, because it'll mm, keep generating money. It's kind of like, here's the story that you loved three seasons ago. We are now bringing it back three seasons later so that you can see... Not a conclusion, but some kind of continuation. We nibble. may never finish this story. <laughs> yeah, <here's laughs> I feel nibble. like they should here's put a disclaimer bit. at this point. Yeah, as, exactly. um, as a lapsed Destiny player, bearing in mind, I 
tanked a lot of hours into the first one and a fair few in the second one. I haven't seriously played for about a year and a half. Getting a PS5 and all the rest of it and stuff and getting the free PS5 version and stuff, I wanted to see, you know, if it's got a better frame rate, if it's prettier, and it looks incredible, but there is so much to do. And I'm like, I just don't care. And it's like, I just, I want to, but it's like, the only thing I've noticed, which we talked about with Destiny Amigo, is, Guardian, there's a new threat. What happened to the 72 other ones? They're still there, but but there's more threats. Oh, you're like Preston Garvey, but blue. Like, I don't get it. Don't get me wrong, it's a great game, but... It has a great... It has a great story, has a lot of great stories running through that universe. But if you want to know that story from start to finish, you have to read the lore. And it's a shame because the kind of game that it is, they could have built on it so much with the story alone. They could have done so much with it. And they just chose to put it in as lore entries. And that's where you read it. And that's where you find out what happens or what might be happening next or whatever. And it's a shame because it's a great story. Go on Bungie.net during Destiny 1 to read the Grimoire. I have it as book. Yeah, I was going to say, I have <laughs> I've that. been buying the Grimoires, yeah. <laughs> I want the Grimoire so as a book as opposed to... It's like, it was so weird. It was. I remember when you first did it and like somewhere at the bottom of the screen the pop-up where like, you killed a, a, named en- a named enemy or whatever. It's yeah. like, oh, don't you do that? And I was like, but bro, I'm playing it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just going to log off because I've just killed his off the eighted. So we'll move on then. The last part of this question was uh, Is there a story in a game that you love for whatever reason? You don't have to explain why at all. That just has terrible characters. So Destiny probably would have been a really good example for this. The story is great, but the characters, while the characters individually are also great, it doesn't really bring a lot to the table right now because the story is lost amongst all of the uh, all of the activities that you can do and the multiplayer and blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, I love the story, but you playing as the Guardian doesn't bring a lot to the table anymore either. In Destiny 1, your Guardian talked. In Destiny 2, it took until Forsaken for your Guardian to say anything. And then they didn't say anything again for another year, year like year, two years. So is there a story that you love for whatever reason that has terrible characters? There's one example in recent memory that stands out to me and that's um batman arkham knight when they were developing the game they were showing off this arkham knight character and going oh it's this brand new character never seen before in the batman universe he's going to be completely unique and special and it turns out it's just the red hood in a different skin (laughs) oh no because um, to delve slightly into Batman lore, the second Joe, um, the second Robin gets killed by Joker and resurrected as the Red Hood, and he's like the Punisher of the DC universe. And they change his story slightly for Arkham Knight, where he becomes like this lead, the commander of a militia. They were going, oh yeah, it's this brand new character. He's got all this insight into Batman. He's got this unique view on his tactics, his methodology. And I was wondering, who is this person? And then two thirds in the game, he goes, oh, by the way, it's Jason Todd. You've got all the Batman fanboys who were calling this out for months beforehand. Rocksteady was going, no, it's not Jason Todd. Don't worry, it's someone new. It's someone different. It's a very similar different story to when um, Star Trek, the second Star Trek film with Benedict Cumberbatch, and everyone was going, oh, he's Khan. And they're going, yeah. no, he's not. He's someone different. And oh, by the way, look at him. He's Khan. The fans guessed your story, but you're too proud to admit it. Yeah. And it ruins the experience a little bit. But the story itself was like one that you really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Because I've yeah. been, am I following the Arkham story all the way through? Yeah. 
And it comes to this final act, and you've got this ignamic, uh, or like this mysterious character. And it turns out they've just stolen the story from every single Batman comic that's come before it, instead of sticking to the guns and doing something completely different. Like, what I was hoping for was that it was going to be like some citizen or some random person that's been caught in the crossfire and got so annoyed at Batman escalating these villains to one-up him that they've gone off, got trained, and they've decided to fight against him. That's what I was hoping for. And instead, they just took the easy way out. And it, uh, yeah. it kind of ruined the impact of the game for a little bit. Like It's kind of like, um, I'll be mentioning this later, but like wasted potential. It's, it's Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's a shame. It's like you have this incredible story, and you chose to do it that way? Like... It, yeah, it's a shame yeah. when wasted potential uh, crops up because it's just when you know a story for such a long time and you know how great it can be, and then it just falls flat. It's it's yeah. just one of the worst feelings ever. Well, I say I've still got to go back and finish the game because it got to a certain point where I thought, yeah, I can't do this anymore because yeah. it's just that it was like a not like a, a punch to the gut, but I just lost the motivation to carry on. We probably should have put a spoiler thing at the start of this episode. I think anyone that hasn't seen Star Trek Into Darkness is going to be pissed. So, <laughs> I mean, if they <laughs> haven't seen it by now, it's a time <laughs> yeah. problem. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. So, great story with bad characters. There's two that I can think of. One of them's going to be short and sweet. It's The Order 1886. I can't remember anybody apart from um, Galahad, because I remember his name was Galahad, because they said that a thousand times. And again, it could have been such a good story. And like, even if it was a bit like, you know, there's this underground society and it's big secret, and you're like, man, I can't wait for this to kick off credits. Oh. Yeah. The old 1887's not coming out, because the company's been sold to someone else now. So, but I just thought, man, that is such a waste, because that would that would have been so good. I know. Um, we talked about this already, didn't we? Yeah. Because it's one of mine as well. Like, The yeah. Order was... I loved The Order, and I don't... I loved like, it. Yeah, like, it's very select few people I know that liked it, and I think it's just literally you two. You made it for, like, a five, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I don't care, even Platinum, I'm just going to smash it again. Because it only yeah, took me half an hour. Um, yeah, I th- you know what? I think I'm going to reinstall it tonight and give it a good go. Because it was really fun. Uh, no, that's my proper answer. Is, and we don't talk about it enough, Final Fantasy X. <laughs> because for all intents and purposes, Final Fantasy X has an absolutely incredible story. It does. Very cool, very compelling, very heartwarming, very epic. All these awesome things. But apart from two characters, everybody sucks. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Um, and I'll say this, it's literally it's one of my favourite games of all time, but god damn it, those people are not likeable. You've got Titus, Tidus, whatever you want to call him this, he <laughs> was accidentally guy. brilliant. Like, he's become such a goofy, mean character, like, on the internet now. And the thing is, he was so unapologetic daft and funny and pure hide and stuff, even though he was just a big nerd. Brilliant. I mean... Well, it was... It was to a point where he served an actual purpose to yeah, the other that characters. Was his, that was his thing. Like, he yeah. was the comic relief, but also he was the protagonist. Yeah. Also, there was a big personality to him. Brilliant. We were talking about you in his voice acting. The other one was um, <laughs> Aaron. Aaron was such a cool, like Ed said, the strong silent type with a big ass yeah. son. It's cool. He's a protector. He's seen the past with, like, you and his dad and this and the other, and Tad's his dad. So he's lived it, and spoiler alert, Died from it. Those two characters, for completely different reasons, 
Brill. Absolutely yeah. brill. Rather than go on a soapbox and this, 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 and this about all them characters, I just didn't find anyone that exciting. Like, they all had their own journeys, and that was cool, and, like, any Final Fantasy cast of characters that you play as are some sort of ragtag group. Yeah. For different reasons, they all have their own interwoven stories and everything, and then the whole thing is, like, you know, everybody has a beef with the back, the last boss for different reasons, or, like, you yeah. know, their family, their tribe, yada, yada. And that's fine, but... I just didn't really care about anyone's apart from Titus's. Obviously, he's the main guy, so nice one. But, like, Eunice's story was so compelling and stuff, but I just didn't care about her. Which is a bit see, of a I wet flannel. I disagree, because Eunice's story was really compelling, and as a character, she she was designed in a way so that she was also a strong silent type. She was soft and compassionate compared to Oron, but she took on this role unapologetically and with complete grace. And it's just, it's one of the, I think Yuna as, Yuna as a character, she's not one of my all-time favourites, but I don't not like her. She's, I think she was really, really beautifully written for what she, for the purpose that she serves in the game. Um, and I think the way that they had her react or even not react to the, the to what she was going to do as a summoner, where she had to literally sacrifice her life, and she was willing to do it. She didn't just do it in a. She didn't do it for selfish reasons. She didn't do it because somebody told her as a as a child that she should, because it would make people like her. There was none of that garbage going on in the background. It was just this was a little girl who lost her father to the same the same thing and he did it out of love and compassion for his people and she wanted to follow in his footsteps and I think the way that they they wrote her to deal with that situation in that way it was just a breath of fresh air it was really I, I felt like it was just really original and that's one of the things that I really loved about the game as a whole as well was that they had this character who was taking this perilous journey but there wasn't any other reason behind it other than i'm doing this because i want to and no, i don't I have an issue you, don't you? What? because i haven't forgiven her for charlie's angels fantasy 2 yeah <laughs> uh no i think that's probably why she gets a bad rap actually because of the second one well, just that and then like we won't talk about that laughing scene because let's just move straight past that so good it's <laughs> your character was well written, but I still just didn't care about her. I cared, yeah, I, cared, I cared more about getting Titus's job done. I cared more about Oren doing his thing. I cared more about going after Dark Aeons and doing cool stuff and side quests and this, that, and you're there. But I never I thought, oh we, man, she's, she's going to cop it soon. It's not yeah, I think I, I think we care. We end up caring about Yuna through Titus rather yeah. than. Rather than as a standalone character, it's kind of like because we become invested in Titus, or T- no, I think it's Titus, but anyway, because sure we become is. invested in him, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. <laughs> because we become invested in him and his story, that's kind of the the offset of how we come to care about Yuna as well. I always thought oh, it was sure. strange in Final Fantasy X that you've got all this sacrifice and time travel malarkey going on, and then in the background you've got Wacko on a five-a-side tour of the country. Yeah. <laughs> it was so disorienting. <laughs> you know, I, was trying, I was trying to sidestep. No, I, was, I saw yeah. you dodged Wacko completely, and yeah. I thought, right, I'm going to throw that right in there. Oh my god, Zini's coming. Just uh, be a minute, guys. I've got to play the Berox in a minute. So <laughs> we just hang up because yeah. I've got a five-a-side tournament later this afternoon. Yeah. 
Calm down, you, brother. You know what? You know, nail on the head for that, Ed. Yeah. You, you were at a point for that because you are very right. <laughs> I hate it so much. You know, I put myself, because we was in lockdown and we had nothing to do, Blitzball has haunted me since I was like a kid when it was new. So I was like, I'm going to yeah. make myself do the jet shot and I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> goddamn full day I'm still fun <laughs> it so yeah. um, i have as much as i love that game i have had my fill of whacker forever take that as you will so i am i am done absolutely yeah. joe what about you so there is um i've got a couple things on it kingdom arts one is a massive <laughs> fan and i'm a massive fan of that game i absolutely yeah. love it but every character in that is a bell end <laughs> 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 Oh. including fucking mickey you know a lot of them the, it is oh, just no. it was for me though it was the gameplay and the fact that it was like final fantasy meets the disney it was... like an 18 plus rating on this <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna get a cease and desist from disney now <laughs> yeah i'll have square knocking on my door tomorrow but they are they are like there's so much cringy about it and not even just for for like looking back on it for the time it was just so cringy and it was like you had all these adult games of the final fantasy cast like squall turning up but he's fucking changing name to leon because he's going through a midlife crisis and <laughs> you've 17. got all this stuff going yeah you've got all these like adult characters and then this this kid who just does this all the time oh my and god it's so annoying all the time that, that, for, the, for the people listening that's me putting my hands behind yeah. my head and dropping a hip <laughs> and it, it was just all annoying but i loved the game like the characters yeah. annoyed me, but I loved the game and the gameplay and the, yeah. the story on number one before it went way out of fucking control is really good because the story, go on. Sorry, it's just, it's one of those, I always found with Kingdom Hearts, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those stories that built in its complexity, but the characters just don't fit. It just doesn't not... feel like a story worthy no. of, no, it doesn't feel like those characters are worthy of that story. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the story's just so big and so above a bunch of teenagers, isn't it? Yeah. The story is yeah. massively about, talking about hearts and losing your hearts and, and power of friendship. the darkness <laughs> and the, yeah, the darkness <laughs> and the light and being swallowed. But when there is darkness, there is always light because to have darkness, you need light. And, and it's just, yeah. the, the story is way too complex for a bunch of fucking nine-year-olds. Is it a prequel to Destiny? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts after light. Yeah. Yeah, right? After light, yeah. Beyond light. But like I and the, I think though what, oh what did annoy me most about it was if if you know much about the Kingdom Hearts world, it's like you play Kingdom Hearts one and then you play the one on the game you had to you had to own like nine consoles to play oh, yeah, the fucking yeah. series. You play it on the PS two and then you have to play it on the Game Boy Advance. Then you have to play the PSP one that was set before Kingdom Hearts 1. <laughs> then you had to play the PS2 version of Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, then there was the DS version. Then there was the 3DS version. Then there yeah. was the mobile game. Then there's the PS4 release. Then there's another mobile game. And I don't even know where these games sit within the timeline now. And you know there's another one coming. Because yeah. I, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't play all the games, but I followed them online. So... Yeah. Um, I, lo- I watched a lot of walkthroughs and cutscenes and everything, so I vaguely know what's going on with the series. But you know, I'm not going to say it outright. But the you know the ending of, of um, Kingdom Hearts three is clearly not finished. No, definitely not. No, it's never <laughs> going to be. Never going to be finished, is it? It's, no. It's a cash cow. But it's like so to to cover it off from the to- sort of topic more or less. It's just the the main character Sora. He's so 
irritating at times because it's always just like, yeah, but we've got each other. Like, yeah, but, we've, <laughs> but we're fighting a fucking 79-foot behemoth that's going to crush I love it, because it, it's like, we've got each other, and they go, yeah, but everyone else is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and, and it's always the same thing. It's always like, I've got this, and he just points his keyblade at it, and a big fucking white dick flies out the end of it and kills whatever it is, and then he yeah. points it and locks this planet, and we fly <laughs> off to the next planet. And as, as, as angry old man as I am sounding, I love those games. <laughs> I mean, I was really excited to play Kingdom Hearts 3, yeah. even though the problem, as I said, I think that it's like they didn't give a shit about the fans because they mm. put them on so many different consoles and the timeline all over the place. You buy Kingdom Hearts 3 and you had to buy Kingdom Hearts 2.8 <laughs> because yeah. 2.8 at the at the prequel to Kingdom Hearts 3, we're using the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine, but you had to play that one to see what happens before Kingdom Hearts 3 and why this person comes back near the end of the game to help you. But you didn't know where, that she was there. But if you play Kingdom Hearts 2.8, you understand why she's there. But if you don't play 2.8, that wasn't ever released anywhere else. And if you don't buy that disc, you ain't playing that game. So yeah. it, it was like they don't care about the fans in some ways because I think they put just two. They just wanted to release games and make money. I really love the gameplay. I really love the story. But it does irritate me sometimes the characters and the way they grew. It did irritate me. And I've also got in there um, a game that's got a really bad story, but a lot of standout characters. It's Resident Evil Six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you play. If you play Leon's campaign, and this is the campaign they pushed on us when, as you know, I am I am huge Resident Evil fan, yeah. and they pushed the Resident Evil 6 Leon campaign as the trailer and the masterpiece for what it was, and then they just told you it out of the campaigns. Because if you start Leon's campaign, it's all zombies, it's all nighttime, and it's all dark. The president turns into a zombie, he shoots the president, she breaks and she's like, what the fuck's happening? He's like, I was a zombie. And then for the first 10 minutes, you can't sprint. You have to crawl through this really oh, dark yeah. building. Oh, so I recently replayed, I, I recently it, replayed it. Yeah. Uh, I did all three campaigns. I did Leon's first. We did Leon's campaign and then we did uh, Chris's and then we did Jake's last. I, I, <laughs> I enjoy all of the characters, but I have no idea what's going on in the no. story. In the entire game, I haven't got a clue. And, like, you've got Wesker's son, but Wesker dies at the end of the Resident Evil 5 in a fucking yeah. volcano with Chris is punching a boulder. <laughs> and it, through that whole experience, I just felt like Wesker was coming back. And it just yeah. it is mental. But, but I love the characters are so good in it. I mean, they're not, they like, really, really are. well weird. Yeah. I, I hate the game, but I love the game. <laughs> well, I love the game. I actually do really, really enjoy Resident Evil 6. But I couldn't tell you what the story is about. I love no. the characters, and I love playing it. But I... I don't know what the story's about at all. No, no. And and again, like Resident Evil 5 as well, with uh, fucking Shabba, Shabba, but Shabba, Shabba, Shabba. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to wind Mark up so much trying that one. When you go to a door, and you know when you press you press yeah. circle or B to go through the door, and then you just keep pressing it, because he just yeah. goes, Shabba, Shabba, over here. Shabba, Shabba, yeah. Shabba. I just do that for ages. It's the, calm, it's the calmness, because you can do it in six as well, can't you? It's like, yeah. I, I played, obviously replayed it recently with my with my brother, so we did it on co-op. And um, it would be like, <laughs> he used to make me laugh all the time, because he'd be playing Leon, and I'd be um, Helena, and he'd get to a door, and all I hear is, Helena, over here. Helena, Helena. <laughs> and then... It's just the the difference is it's just oh it's hilarious. Well, that's yeah, probably the arm commands as well. It went floppy. It was like oh here, yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. 
Well, I think that's a story, a question for another one. But like, because you played it co-op, the game is infinitely better on co-op, no matter how bad it is. Resident Evil Five. Can't play it solo. No, that's what that's what I mean. That's why I hate it. If you play it solo, it is one of the worst games ever created. And Resident Evil Five is is average, but on co-op. The game is so good, but yeah, on single, so much it's, more fun. it's fucking horrible. And um, and then my other one that I just wrote in there as well uh, was Metal Gear Solid because it's it isn't a bad story by any stretch of the word, but it is a bad story at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but the characters, like apart from Raiden, Kev won't like Raiden. But apart from Raiden, <laughs> the um, the characters are really good. Like Snake, he's a really likable rogue. You know, you you meet him in the first one. He all he does is grunt, but yeah. you like I I like him. I like the way he is well developed through the full. One to four, even five, where you play you play big boss. So five is set after three, but before one. But in the way that you, your character does grow, in in the first one, he's just this silent assassin that breaks into a compound, and he needs to find out about special weapon gears. And he does grow quite a lot in that. And then you find out he has a brother, and he makes friends with the scientist that pisses his pants because there's a ninja. And then the ninja turns out to be Snake's old partner. And it, it, it has some good character development. But as it got yeah. further, and then when you get to number four, and he's got this, because he is a clone, he's suddenly rapidly aging, and he's going to die. You do think, is this the end of Snake? Yeah. And then at the end, he isn't dead, but he is going to die. But he isn't dead, and he pours a helicopter and leaves. Spoiler alert. He may or may not be dead. <laughs> exactly. He could make another one just the next day. But... <laughs> Like, it isn't a bad story, it's just a convoluted story. But the characters within it, I think, are really good, even like Meryl and such, that's in Metal Gear Solid yeah. 4, even though she's, she now looks about 40 years younger than Snake, even though she's <laughs> the same age. But that it's a good example of a, a load of characters that you grow up with, um, developing yeah. that. Yeah. And I just put some in the end, that I do yeah. think that gameplay as well does go hand in hand as well with this or as a, an octopus with three hands hand in hand in hand that character <laughs> development as long as as well as a story that is well told and gameplay obviously if you get them three that is the yeah. core of any game i know that sounds really thick to say but if you do get it all right you're just on to a winner because well, I, no, I, I think a lot of people don't realize just how much the gameplay ties into narrative because you yeah. can use it to your advantage like it's like we were saying earlier about uncharted the way that they they use game play mechanics to help tell the story a lot of people don't realize that that games do that yeah definitely the way you like we said about running away from the truck that's driving down in nepal and he shoot you're just firing your gun backwards and he's still talking while he's doing it going oh my fucking god oh my god oh my god exactly yeah you are controlling that on rail cinematic climbing up the train that's going to fall off mm-hmm. the cliff you're controlling yeah. the on the rail cinematic so you're playing the game whilst the character is progressing whilst the story is traveling forward and it, it does make a yeah. massive difference to it even then though like the, the climbing up the train at the beginning of uncharted 2 is still hailed as one of the best pieces of narrative ever told in oh, gaming well i just looked incredible that didn't it yeah it was so good nobody had, like it, it i would say it's never been done before but maybe it was just done to a degree that that you just it wasn't very common to see gameplay and narrative you know collaborated in that way yeah. so yeah. yeah i've already made a point on this already with um arkham knight but there's one thing i did want to mention as well it's like a, a narrative issue but it's like every single fighting game ever made the story in every single fighting game is so over the top and ridiculous it takes forever to explain 
the the lore of Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or Tekken or Soul Calibur because they're so over the top and convoluted. It kind of gets lost um, by the time you get to say Tekken Seven and Soul Calibur Six and all that stuff. We got. 11 Mortal Kombat's now, where they've had like a soft reboot and a hard reboot, and now they've reset the universe, and you got people fighting outside of time, and it's just, people just want to punch people in the face on fighting games. They just need a basic story. <laughs> you don't need interdimensional time-traveling robot assassins. Kev, what was, that game you were playing? what was the game you were playing on stream, Kev? The fighting game where was I was like, it? the, the cuts, yeah, the, where the, the cutscenes and the, like the story, the way the story was being told, and then go Going into your typical arcade style fighting game. Yeah. I can't I can't get on board with it. It's so disorienting. Yeah. Like that's only a recent thing, really, with Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Before the story was told in when I say with like Tekken and Soul Calibur again, it was told when you finished the arcade ladder, you got a 37 second cinematic that explained the end of that character's story. So to get the full scope of that that narrative you have to finish the game 26 times 26 (laughs) times yeah 36 times and it was was brilliant you wanted to know what happened to one character and if it affected another that was incredible i've been playing tekken 2 3 and 4 and just that i mean i ain't played anything since tekken 4 to be honest oh they got tekken 5 i don't think i played much of that but anyway i played them and i absolutely was i loved it i wanted to finish every character i wanted to go onto the bonus menu and have every every character's little square yeah in with the ending so i could watch them and and things like if you know Paul with his fucking big cone here, and yeah. what, just go, he's always hanging on chicks and he's always got on his motorbike. And it was just so good. That, that <laughs> I, I liked that you have an opening cutscene for like 10 to 20 seconds. Then you play through the whole whole fight, always fighting Hiachi at the end. And you, or it was usually Jin, then Hiachi. Sometimes you fought Devil Jin at the right at the end on yeah. Tekken 3. And then you got like a 40, 50 second cutscene. And then you finished them all to unlock a, like Devil Jin. And you had to finish it as Devil Jin to find out what actually happens at the King of, Torn- King of Iron Fist tournament. Uh, it was great. That, I, yeah. I enjoyed that way of doing it. Yeah, it's all right, good doing it as like a, as a game. But then you've got Tekken 1, Tekken 2, Tekken 3, Tekken 4. You've got to play through each character on multiple games, multiple times to get all these little nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. And then if you're like a, a purist of the story, you have to buy this little bit from that bit and this little bit from that bit. It got ridiculous to one point where people are throwing each other into volcanoes and trying to off each other because they've got some <laughs> sort of special DNA bit. Well, and then it's, it's, <laughs> it's so oh ridiculous it's gotten to yeah. the point where Tekken is now like in the middle of like World War 15 yeah right. where you've got corporations fighting each other right. well, starting off at a little simple martial arts tournament it's like Fast and Furious and fighting game the uh, problem you've got with fighting games now is they've become a little bit of a victim of themselves in that respect to Joe's point and to your point as well where if you want to have all 20 to 26 different little cinematic icons and stuff and all the concept art and everything, I that concept art, but it means I get to play it one more time all the way through. Count me in, because I suddenly want that bit of concept art, I don't know. But, like, it's the other side of it is that's all great, and that's where it stops. That's that's fine. But now, the problem you've got is, it's now the new Towers of Time. It's all online. You've got to do this. You've got yeah. to... That's where it sucks. Like, the crypt and unlockables in any game, really exciting, really cool. Like, one of the best Mortal Kombat games isn't even a mainline one. It's Shaolin Monks. Oh, for sure. Shaolin Monks is incredible because it's very much a side-scrolling, streets of rage 
Do you remember? I think it was Tekken Three where it had like a Streets of Rage size. Yeah, Tekken yeah. Force. Yeah, and like you walk past it, and every time you got a um, a replacement, it went chicken, like in the yeah. most aggressive <laughs> oh, way God, ever. Yeah. And it was great. I was like, cool. I've now got two games in one. I've now got the side scrolling beat up, and I've got the arcade stuff. But that's where it stops. Like Tekken Tag Bowling, cool. Use Jack, cheat, brilliant. But I don't want to buy seven thousand skins. So... No, I was going to say where Tekken peaked when they put bowling in. Oh, mate, so good. Everybody played Jack, <laughs> and if you didn't, then you lost in the show ass. I just, so... I just want them to put that in the fighting tournaments, the real life ones that people go to, and just have. <laughs> And no one's prepared. But I think like um, fighting games are, are a really good example of, of what we were talking about right at the beginning. Was like, you know, we enjoy story in games, but there are some games that we enjoy probably because there isn't one. Multiplayer games don't necessarily have to have a narrative running through them, and that doesn't stop us from enjoying the experience and enjoying the game. And I think it's good to recognise that, yes, okay, we enjoy stories in games, but we're not here in this episode turning around to people and, and saying it has to have a story, otherwise we're not going to play it. Like, no, it's, not at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, so, just fighting throw... games are a good example. I've got two things I need to say. Ed, <laughs> why is everyone really angry at the cars in Street Fighter? <laughs> <laughs> And if you haven't got an answer for that, my next one is, have you ever noticed, and this is quite interesting, that obviously sports games don't have stories, but they've yeah. all started adding stories, if you didn't know. And I don't think you guys are really <laughs> oh, sports yeah, yeah. fans, but I've FIFA, through, yeah, the FIFA, FIFA one. The Journey, and it's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it runs yeah, on Frostbite. Frostbite, yeah. Frostbite engine, Battlefield. And then they've done it with like NFL and NBA have got it now as well. So if you don't yeah. know, and any of our listeners might, then, because I don't know if many of them will be sports fans, but if you haven't played the journey, you play as a kid that plays for like a proper B-League football team. And then he gets a trial for like Chelsea or whoever you pick as your favourite team on FIFA. He gets a trial for that team. And then you have to turn up to the training matches and impress the coach to get picked. What happens yeah. though is you get subbed on in all the games. So you'll get subbed on for like the last 15 minutes and it might be might be real time. It might, it might be more like four or five minutes of gameplay. But it'll be like you have to score a header and you have to play a perfect through ball to impress him. So then at the end of the match, he's impressed with your results. And then yeah. in, at the end of it, you might be talking to like Ozil or something. There's only a certain handful of proper footballers they've got in the game. So you might be talking to Ozil or Fabregas at the end of the match. But it was really mind-blowing that they <laughs> went out and put a story of a kid who wants to be top. Yeah. And he comes up with like, your salary and how much you're earning and the better you play the more it goes up and how many followers you've got and it was mind-boggling that fifa went out because i mean fifa has a career mode it has a, ma- a mode where you pick a team and you buy players and win the league it has yeah. a mode where you go online play others it has just kick off now and then they put a story mode in where as well you and your friend get put picks for the t- first team and you make you have conversation pieces so you pick either sit on the fence be a bit of a knobhead or be a good boy and it's like you make oh i don't know if training went well and you can go yeah there's always tomorrow or yeah you didn't really do that well did you you were a bit shit or oh no i thought you did really well and it, it affects the game and that it was really intriguing but then again if like to what kev said it's a mass effect engine it's frostbite well yeah. not mass effect engine, it's the same company and it's ea now so they will have people who know how to make that kind of RPG story driven element mm. incredible even that took, well, took off it, um, it wouldn't have been last year because we didn't we didn't technically have an E3 last year I think it was the year before and I can't remember which one it was but one of the basketball ones was the same way they advertised yeah. it as a, as a story game and, and not whatever it whatever people were used to it being beforehand mm. and it's mad it's, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. becoming it, a, a it thing it took off it was like, I and played I think through the even... um, Madden one 
and I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? So it was an yeah. intriguing way to play because for me, I I don't I haven't bought FIFA properly. I mean, the last one I actually bought was FIFA 18, and we're on FIFA 21 now. I bought EA Pass the other week, so it was 79p. So then I'm downloading FIFA. They got the latest. They got FIFA 20 on it. I play career. I don't play online on it. I can't be bothered with it as much. But I play the career mode because I do enjoy picking. I play as town, and I want to pr- get promoted. I want to work my way through the football leagues. I enjoy doing that on it and trying to yeah. trying to poach players that are of much better value than what we might have. It's intriguing when I did try uh, the journey on FIFA 17 and 18. It was it was a very different experience because you play as you you, you can either play as you play as your guy on the pitch or you play as all 11 players it was very different because i i kept even when i was playing as the whole team i was just trying to get it back to hunter so i could score with him i just wanted him yeah. to succeed i didn't care <laughs> if he won i just wanted him to get a goal it, it was a really intriguing way of playing it so we and, it, and again it's, it's story driven it was his narrative it was his progression through the ranks it was really different i couldn't really pick one for a story that i loved that had terrible characters but because me and Kev have been talking about Horizon recently, and um, one of the things that always crops up about Horizon is the characters are really flat and not particularly well acted. So I um, I absolutely love Horizon Zero Dawn to death. I have played it four times through, but in terms of the characters themselves, they're not particularly well written. The story of the game, the backstory of the game, the lore of the game, Beautiful, gorgeous, all well done, all well written. Uh, and even um, the character of Elizabeth, which is weird because it's played by the same person, is more well acted than she acts as Aloy. It's, it's so bizarre. But, you know, a lot of the characters in Horizon are very monotone and stilted. The game itself is gorgeous. And I, and I think the thing with Horizon is that because it's got that incredible backstory and because it's such a gorgeous open world experience, like I, I can't help but think that maybe that was just the intention of the game as a whole was that as long as that was there the like the characters that you come into contact with just kind of a, a push to the wayside that was um, something i was going to ask you do you think that was a creative decision i do think, you think it was, it was more to, to highlight aloy yeah as a, as a character or characters yeah absolutely yeah like you know you're gonna get fetch quests you're gonna get npcs that like you say they're just there's not a lot to them. You don't expect yeah. it to do a song and dance every time you meet someone new, but they were so flat. The only thing I think is worse is probably Dead Island's actors. But no, I get what you mean, though. I think it was creative. Yeah, I do in the end. I think it was a creative choice because I think they focus so much on creating the world and making sure that uh, the law made sense and making sure that the story was, was what it was, which was absolutely, it's one of my favourite stories ever. Aloy did not have any character to her, but she wasn't, the most compelling of them all. She still stood out among everybody else, though. And she was sassier than I remember the last time I played it. She is very sassy. She's she very incredibly sassy. sassy. Uh, most very... of her character comes through as sassy, so I don't know why they did just play her that way anyway, instead of making the choice dialogue choices. She was sassy and curious, is yeah. the way I would say. But then, like you say, Elizabeth, her counterpart, was tenfold acted better. It was. It she was had crazy. A much firmer personality. She's more yeah. serious. She was more. I don't know. She sort of she demanded your respect more, more. Yeah. Into the world because Without... I think the the world having been designed around Elizabeth and what happened in her time, I think that makes sense. Um, well, there was two characters as well. There was the old world and the new world. Yeah. And they were as compelling characters as Elizabeth and Aloy, like because there was so much to it, and then all the wildlife, as it were, or the robotic wildlife, or whatever. They seem to be more compelling than like, here, come bring me seven more twigs and do this. My 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 son is <laughs> on a rock. 
Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Right. Like I, I loved Rost. I did, but he wasn't like emotional. He wasn't very interested in death. He was monotone, like a lot of the other characters, and that that was a shame because I enjoyed the concept of his character and everything that he went through to to raise Aloy in the world. But they they didn't really. When the um, whoever it was, Tears or whoever it was told you exactly his story because it was so yeah. I was like, holy shit, so all this yeah. happened. How exactly. was he considering yeah. all that happened? Yeah, no. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you play so, it again and you're like, wow, this guy did stuff, but I just wish he'd yeah. And the other character that I really enjoyed was Eren, who um clearly has a crush on Aloy throughout the entire thirsty for her. I it really are. It's crazy. <laughs> Every character you meet is just like, oh, I need you to do this mission. You do the mission, they come back, and, and then they're just like, oh, you're a bit of all right, aren't you? And it's like, what? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally hey, everyone. Exactly. So, yeah, I really, I really love her. I love that game to death, and I love the story. But I do think it was a creative choice in the end because of the size and scale of the game. They probably just thought, and I can see why. Like a lot of a lot of the stuff, the way the game is designed, the genre of the game, uh, it's it's built that way for its purpose. It's built that way for its platform. So the characters did unfortunately fall a bit flat. But that's not to say that the characters didn't have interesting concepts. They just weren't fully fleshed out, and it's a shame because it would have just added that extra that extra layer that would have made that game a lot of open world games fall to some of that because maybe if you strangled it down to some more narrow passageways the story elements would have gripped us in more whereas you can do a story section then disappear for three hours and then do another story section one mission and it's only five minutes of cutscene and story progression and then you disappear for another three hours whereas if it was consistently traveling forward you might develop then connections stronger over time and then quicker and yeah. you might it's fresher in your mind yeah you think possibly I, it could be the open world element does that i think i think Not that's what we were, we were kind of getting at is just like the game obviously was intended to be a huge open world adventure game mm. um and i think when you get games like that you have to be prepared for a less character driven experience and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. Like I said, open, I like open world games. I haven't played a lot of them, but I do enjoy them. And Horizon really, really did leave an impression on me. And I'm really looking forward to the second one. But the game being as incredible as it was probably also took the edge off the characters not being so grounded and not being too realistic. Because it's like if you if you separate those two things, that feels like an issue. Um, but if, when you have the whole thing as a whole package, it's less of an issue. Because, okay, no, you don't have these amazingly fleshed out characters. You know, they're all monotone. They're all stilted. They don't feel, they, they don't feel uh, like they're progressing in any way. But you have the rest of the game to love. So much else in that game to love. that The characters not being what you would hope for them to be, you know, quote unquote hope. It doesn't really seem to matter all that much. But other other than that, a lot of the games that, that you guys have already mentioned were kind of on my list as well for, for that question. Yeah. So my final point for Horizon is that it had weird pacing. It's it's a funny one because it's a double-edged sword with pacing with it. Because it is a sandbox playground anyway, you make the pacing. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But I played it on a because I was literally chasing the platinum, because I've already completed it however many times. Yeah. Uh, so I actually put it on easy 
uh, not because I just wanted to sit and enjoy the game. And I did a full, well, I did 100% in just under 32 hours, 31, 32 hours, uh, because obviously the combat was dead easy. But even when I was just, because I didn't want to miss anything, because I was going for a trophy uh, where you need to have every single one of her optional people turn up at the end. Uh, and I was dead worried, like, you know, am I going to miss something? Am I going to miss something? And then I did it. And then I was like, shooting from one side mission to the next mission to the next mission. And then I was clearing them all out and then doing the story beats. And then there'd be like another 12 missions and then story beats. And by the time yeah. I'd done it all, even the fastest way I tried to do it, it still felt disjointed. So the only way I think I'd... I think a player would feel more of the story if they, if they, if they did less of the side stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think... I found that a lot of the side quests, when you do them in between the story quests, took you into the direction of the next story quest anyway. And I think a lot of people have played it that way. So it's like, right, I've done that story quest. The next story quest is all the way on the other side of the map. Like sometimes you get that in the game where you do that quest and then you have to travel all the way to the other end of the map. Um, And along the way, there are side quests. And those side quests end up making you unlock the mist on that map as you go anyway. And I think that just tends to be how a lot of people end up naturally playing it. So even if you try to cut all of that out, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, to a similar point, it was like um, when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima, I felt the game would have benefited more from not being an open world game and pretty much like you progress from this mission to this mission to this mission to this mission and remove the open worldness of it and just rein in the story and make it a lot tighter and a lot more focused yeah see i didn't even realize that that ghost of tsushima was going to be an open world game i actually thought yeah. it was a straight up narrative and then i found out that it wasn't and i was like oh <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's it's huge and you can get lost in it but i felt if you were looking for like the um the narrative and the story experience they could have easily got rid of the whole open worldness and the whole side quests and yeah. given you this straight point to point to point story and it may have been better for it yeah probably i think some some game probably would benefit from that anyway so what we're going to do now is we're going to wrap up with the last two questions without giving any explanation a story in a game that you enjoyed but you felt had wasted potential don't explain why just say one mine is anthem borderlands 3 zombie you zombie you (laughs) (laughs) brill Did not see that coming. Uh, Ed? Um, the original Watch Dogs. Oh. Good choice. And the final question. Well, not even a question. Name a game with one of your all-time favourite stories without saying why. Mine is Detroit Become Human. Book snacks. No. Uh, Mega Man X. <laughs> Which one? Mega Man X. Mega Man X. Joe? Suric uh, 1 and 2. Ed? Uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the original. Nice. And uh, and that's everything. Unless anyone has anything else to add, that's pretty much everything we've talked about. Uh, I want to give a honourable mention to weak stories with good characters, just because I had a couple left on the list we didn't fully go through. Okay. Uh, number one was Resident Evil 4, 5 and 6, because I very much enjoy playing as Leon, Chris and Jill. Yep. For different reasons, all badasses, all this, that and the other. Just didn't quite get on with the trilogy. They were all right. But for cool characters, I felt that they could have had better things around them without mm. going too far into it. And the other one was an honourable mention to Clementine from Telltale Walking Dead. 
Um, oh. She, as a young girl, all the way up to adulthood, um, well, she had a lot of play, didn't she? Well, yeah. She, uh, considering she went through so much and she was, she sort of had into the situation and weathered the storm, the pacing slash quality of the story flip-flopped a bit. Like, yeah. in series one, it was a really cool introduction. Series two, it's pretty good. Series three, series four was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll move straight past series three. Series four had a really good final arc, and obviously with the whole Telltale debacle, obviously folding as the thing wasn't finished and stuff, and the fact that they did finish it, I'm really happy they finished this story because it did have, it had a logical ending, and I was pleased with what happened without any spoilers. Yeah. So yeah, really, really good. Yeah, cool. Um, anyone else got anything to add? No, I, think I think we're think good. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot more than. I thought we would actually, considering how I tried to pin those questions down to what they were anyway. So that wraps up that episode. We hope that you all enjoyed it. If you'd like to join in on the discussion, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we'll see you all again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.